Now, we move to the desire. Newness of life is our duty. Newness of life is our desire. And this is the good thing. Newness of life is a spirit-given desire. The argument is taken from baptism into Christ or oneness in Christ's death. When he died, I died. I was set free from guilt. And now that I'm planted together with him in this new union with my Savior, there are new desires. There is planted within us all the life, the spiritual life of a newborn Christian. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and we're on the air today to bring you the message of God's Word from Romans chapter 6. And we're going to talk today about the newness of life. This is in relation to the resurrection scene of our Lord Jesus. He's no longer on the cross, no longer in the tomb. He is risen. And the doctrine of the gospel is that such is the union between the believer in the Lord Jesus and the Lord himself, that as he died, we died. When he rose from the dead, we also rose. And now that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, we also sit together with him in those heavenly places. This is our position. We are risen, and one day we shall be exalted, brought into the right hand of God. This comes to the doctrine of Christian living, on how to overcome the world and sin and the devil. And here is God's way, that we are to rejoice as keepers of his law. We are now born again, regenerated, risen and raised from the dead, and we therefore have this newness of life. That's how Paul puts it in chapter 6. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we are to live this resurrection life. We are to reckon, we are to account ourselves as having died, that we're dead to the law. The law has no more claim against the Christian. The law has no more condemnation and we are also to reckon ourselves alive in or through unto God through Jesus our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Lust in this world is that forbidden fruit. It is those things that the word of God condemns as sinful, and yet many men crave after them. They seek after lust, even as the Israelites did in the wilderness when they lusted after the flesh, and they lusted after Egypt. But God has called us to a newness of life that we might seek those things which are above. 
So I trust you'll stay tuned with us today as from the pulpit of our church here in Cloverdale, we let the Bible speak on resurrection living. Our opening hymn here is by Valerie Manis, Sweet Hour of Prayer. There is a place of relief and release for the Christian where we may know the voice of God to our souls, that very place where we meet with God in the closet within our souls. Coming to Romans 6, because really I haven't expounded very much of this chapter yet. I've really just been setting out what Paul's dealing with. But you'll notice in this chapter that newness of life is our duty because every Christian has been united to Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now, without going into a whole lot of doctrine here, this baptism into Christ's death or what is this, baptized into Jesus Christ. This is a spirit baptism by the Holy Spirit, where we are mystically, by the work of the Holy Spirit, united, made a member of the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, if we are a member of His body, and His Spirit is dwelling in us, and I'd like to point out the word planted together. This is really the key to the passage. It talks here about being planted together, verse 5. For if we have been planted together, and there is the truth of union, uh, just like roots planted together in the ground, or a graft joined to the tree, there is union. Now, if you're telling me that you're a Christian, you're saying that you've been united to the Lord Jesus. You're planted together with Him. That His life is your life. His holiness is your holiness. What a radical thing conversion is. So these verses are dealing with the believer's union in Christ, and we are members of His body. If so, there will be new fruit. There'll be new fruit. Newness of life. Planted with the Lord, there will be new fruit. If there's no new fruit, the only conclusion you can make about yourself is that you were never yet planted 
into union with the Lord Jesus. If you are not a spiritual person, if you have no interest in spiritual things, if you really despise the godly, holy, Christ-centered religion of New Testament Christianity, and it doesn't turn you on, the only conclusion that you can make about yourself is that you have never had a spiritual resurrection. You've never been born again. I'm not going to argue out of experience, but I am going to look at the fruit. And I want you to notice that I'm asking you to make that conclusion about yourself. The Bible says, examine yourself. See whether ye be in the faith. Now, we move to the desire. Newness of life is our duty. Newness of life is our desire. And this is the good thing. Newness of life is a spirit-given desire. The argument is taken from baptism into Christ or oneness in Christ's death. When he died, I died. I was set free from guilt. And now that I'm planted together with him in this new union with my Savior, there are new desires. There is planted within us all the life, the spiritual life of a newborn Christian. Some people think that Christian living is really just a whole lot of rules and regulations, and you set the, the parameters and the barriers, and, and you just let a person live within that. And they conclude, boy, I, I would hate to be hemmed in like that. Let me tell you, the real Christian is never hemmed in. The person who really has resurrection life never wants to fight against those commands and statements of God's warnings to flee from sin. He wants to because he's got a new desire. His desire is after the Lord, and his desire is to be a servant unto him. Some years ago, I told a story in this pulpit about a slave girl who was being sold off at a uh, an ancient slave market. There, as she trembled in the open slave market, and they would sell beautiful young girls, mostly naked, to wicked purchasers, masters of slaves. And there were many men who had their eye on her. But one good man, out of compassion, decided that he would purchase her that day to set her free. And so he bid and outbid the others. He had her dressed and told her she was free. On his way home, he heard footsteps coming after him. It was the slave girl whom he had bought and freed. You could argue she didn't fully comprehend what free meant. But there were no chains, no ropes, no soldiers with spears. She was willingly following her new master. That's what a Christian is doing. At the cross, the Lord Jesus bought us at the greatest cost to set us free. What do we want to do with this liberty? What do we want to do with this new freedom that is ours? We want to serve our Lord and follow Him. So newness of life is a spirit-given desire. Newness of life is also a spirit-maintained desire. I'm coming back to this planted together again. And I have an illustration for you, because this week I planted some potatoes. I 
Paul Places went to Walmart and bought a box of seed potatoes, Yukon Gold. I was asking Mrs. Routley's father if that was a good kind to plant, and he had no experience of those, and I think he would know, so I'm not too sure if they're going to turn out great potatoes or not. My wife's not too sure either, by the way. I've grown potatoes in the past that haven't turned out so good. But before the rain came, I got them planted. You just loosen the soil, get some uh, manure-like stuff in there, and uh, plant the potatoes right in it. And they'll grow. I'm not promising what they're going to look like or taste like or what uh, harvest will be, but they'll grow. They are planted, and they want to grow. They've got life in them. They are seed potatoes. The very buds are there that are ready to do their work. Ninety days, potatoes will be ready. Ninety days. End of June, I say. Planted together to die. You dig those potatoes up in a week or two, and they'll be mush, and they will die. But from that seed potato will come forth new life new life. They want to grow. No matter what the weather's like, they want to grow. Now, of course, if it freezes over, okay, I'll have to qualify that statement. But whether we get pleasant growing weather or less favorable weather, they want to grow. Whether the soil is nutritious or not, they want to grow. Whether they are cared for or abandoned, they want to grow. And Paul says, that if you have been planted into the death of Christ, even so, we also shall walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. There's going to be a growing, yearning, and longing in the soul of the Christian. That's the work of the Spirit in your heart. You want to grow. If you don't want to grow, you've never been planted into the death of Christ, and you've never had a spiritual resurrection. Newness of life also creates a desire for spiritual food. Now, this affects many aspects of Christian living. It affects us reading our Bible. And let me tell you, Christians have an appetite for the Word of God. Real, born-again Christians have an appetite for the Word of God. The preacher can be poor. The explanation can be sometimes difficult. But the appetite for the Word of God is there. For prayer, there is born in the soul of every true convert a yearning for communion with God, a real prayer life. When Paul the Apostle was converted, the first thing that was said about him, Behold, he prayeth. Can it be said of you tonight, Behold, you pray. There are times when you get alone to pray. There are times when you're found with God's people longing to pray. Worship in God's house, the sanctification process, living a godly life set apart unto God. These are not things that you have to be whipped into doing. This is the new desire, this spirit-born desire. Any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new.
listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and we're dealing today with Romans chapter 6 and the issue that the law of God is the rule of life for the Christian. We have dealt with the Christian Sabbath, that there is a day in seven for the Christian to keep. Of course, for us, it is the first day of the week. We base it upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Nevertheless, God is looking for that one day in seven that we worship, serve, and glory in him. And this is a part of determining the nature of the law of God as the rule of life for the Christian. Paul the Apostle said that the law is good, that it is spiritual. And our Lord Jesus said that he did not come to destroy the law or abolish it, but to fulfill the law of God. And while it is no longer our way of salvation, If we want to know what pleases our Heavenly Father, we must look at those ten laws. We must look at how he hates idolatry. He loves us to worship him in spirit and truth. He wants us to have the rule of law where we honor parents, keep one day in seven, that we do not kill, we do not commit adultery, we do not steal, we do not bear false witness, we do not covet. These are are essential uh, issues to how to live the Christian life. And a Christian can do no better than to do a thorough study of the Ten Commandments and to see how the things that God requires and what God forbids. So please stay tuned with us here as we come to the second part of this message on the law, the rule of life for the Christian. The things of this world will lose their real appeal And the things that really matter are the things of eternity. Let me ask you tonight, are you a spiritual person? You see, we're living in days when I have to get right down to that very pointed question. Where's your Bible tonight? When did you last read it? When did you last memorize one verse in the Bible, feeding on that word? When did you last get the Bible and pray over it? asking God to work in your life the things that he has written in his word. That's the mark of newness of life. And praise God, newness of life is our destiny. We're bought with a price, and we're not bought to be left 
behind in the market were bought to be brought home, home to glory. We're not the servants of sin anymore. That's the argument of verse 4. We're no longer the followers of sin. We're buried. What does it say there in verse 4? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. Now, when you bury a person, he's finished with this world. It's over. He may have had a, a last will and testament and certain wishes that he once carried out in his name after he is dead. But when the funeral comes to the cemetery and the body is lowered into the grave and the earth is filled in, the death certificate is made, that person does no longer belong to this world. His possessions can be sold off or claimed by whomever. He's never going to return. He's buried. And if somebody comes looking for him, looking for him and saying, where is he? He's in that cemetery. That's where you'll find him. And when the world comes looking for the Christian to tempt you and lure you back to the ways of sin, what does the Christian say? I've died. I have died to those things. And that's why for the Christian, the world has lost its crazy appeal. Oh, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't say that a Christian will never struggle with things like television or the internet, when to turn them off and how to control the use of them. Every Christian has to be uh, on top of those things and not allow themselves to be tempted by things that are trashy and, and uh, sinful. But the Christian who is indwelt by the Spirit, who has died to sin, does not go looking for them. Mr. Temptation may come knocking at the door and say, let me in. That's temptation. And if you open the door and let him in, that will be sin. But the born-again Christian will close the door to temptation. And he's got new power to do it. And it's the same power that raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. That's why we can say there's victory through faith and believing in the Lord Jesus. Verse 11 of this sixth chapter, you'll notice, it says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But you have to read the second part. Dead unto sin, but alive unto God. You're not living in a vacuum. You're not living in a, in a dead spot. You're living now alive unto God, just as much as Lazarus when he came out of that grave, alive unto God. New desires for God. You can hear his voice. You're sensitive to the will of God and want to do it. Someone said that holiness is the science of making men whole and keeping them whole. And that's what goes on in the new Christian's life. And then down in verse 22, you'll notice that the Christian's fruit is holiness. But thou being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and by you their fruit, you shall know them. You'll know what kind of person you are by the fruit you have. Can you say you love the Lord Jesus? Can you say you love his word? Can you say you love his people? You love his praises? You love the place of prayer? You love to be in fellowship and, and in the midst of spiritual people and spiritual things? Or you say, no, I want to get away to my own friends. That tells you who you are. Those that have died to sin are now become servants to God 
and have your fruit unto holiness. And then what does it say then? Fruit unto holiness, and what's the destiny? And the end, everlasting life. And that's the great part. If the desire for holiness is the enjoyable part for the Christian, then the eternal life has to be the glorious part. And verse 23, I can't stop preaching tonight without quoting this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's our destiny. There's the destiny of newness of life in Christ Jesus. Are you going to heaven tonight? Are you going to heaven? Can you say you're sure of heaven? That means you're telling me that you have newness of life. That means you're telling me that you've had a spiritual resurrection in your life. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That means you're telling me that there is a new desire in your life to glorify the Lord Jesus. That you agree with what they say in heaven. He is worthy. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your soul. He's worthy of your praises. And one day you'll see him, and it will be worth it all. This is the resurrection life in the soul of a Christian. I pray that you're out of the tomb, risen, victorious, living in the enjoyment of new life in Christ. I went through our hymnal yesterday looking for that hymn. This hymn came to my mind, New Life in Christ. And my wife, I, she normally, when I ask her a line of a hymn, she normally can just get it like that. Uh, and she tells me that it must have been one I learned somewhere else, because it's not in our hymn book. We don't have that hymn. So I wish it was, or we'd be singing that just now, New Life in Christ. The second, uh, my second to that one is the hymn, Living for Jesus. And it's 561, and we'll close our meeting with this very hymn tonight, 561. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do, yielded allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me, 561. Stand to sing. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can listen by podcast on iTunes. Search for Let the Bible Speak on iTunes Podcast. You will also find each program archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. There you can find helpful articles on Christian living and God's salvation. Or you can sign up for our emails and our magazine. If you have been blessed through the Lord's Word today, call me free of charge from anywhere in Canada at 604-897-2040. You can also join our church services by live webcast on your computer or other device. Go again to www.ltbs.ca. Our phone number again is 604-897-2040. Feel free to give me a call or send me an email. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 18790, 58th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S, 1M6. May the Lord bless you with saving faith in our Lord Jesus. As the Savior of sinners, He is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. This is Pastor Ian Goller, and I invite you to join us on this station Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. when day by day we let the Bible speak.